Good evening to everyone out there in Metsville, and welcome to another Metsian podcast. My name is Michael Colon. I'll be hosting this evening's affair, and I'll be joined by my partner, Sam Maxwell. Say hello, buddy. What is going on? Lots to talk about in Metsville. I'll say, and we are also joined by someone whom we affectionately call Long Island Mike. Uh, Mike, happy belated birthday to you, and I uh, want you to just take a couple of seconds and uh, tell us about yourself and familiarize yourself with the crowd. Well, my name's Mike. Uh, thank you for the belated happy birthday. Uh, big Mets fan. Uh, I rage sometimes, so I apologize for that, and hopefully the Mets uh, aren't dumb this year. <laughs> Now, uh, like you say, uh, or didn't you say, but we know it, you turned 18 years old, which I think is great for the purposes of this podcast. Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, you're in your 30s, right? 33, baby. All right. And my age starts with the letter F, which means forget about it. Uh, I am in my 50s. So it's a good cross-section of generations that we have going here. Uh, obviously, we're here together this evening to speak about uh, Brody Van Wagenen's leap into the offseason. Uh, the, the hot stove is just glowing orange, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, it's it's real hot right now. Uh, you know, everybody says to not pay attention to rumors, but there are some rumors that actually came to fruition. Um, I guess my point, you know, everybody wants to talk about the prospects. Um, I I like to look at it from from a, a Seattle's perspective is that they don't want to get fleeced in this regard because, you know, Med fans keep saying that they gave up too much, they gave up too much. But, like, that's what you've got to do at certain points. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to what everybody's take here is as to this, uh, this entire ordeal currently. Right. We're obviously talking about the big transaction that netted Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz and, uh, and a bag of cash for uh, several bodies. Uh, but first, Mike, uh, what's your impression so far about uh, this new general manager? You know, we've been begging for change, and sure enough, we got change. What's your reaction to this change? You know, we're going to get into the specifics of the trade, this, that, and the other, but, you know, change is here. How do you feel about it? I'm kind of shocked. I did not think the Wilpons would allow uh, uh, the get Cano's contract. It just shocked me. I saw on Twitter people start complaining about the contract we took on. We complain when we spend money. We complain when we don't. Make up your minds. I like to trade in general, but... We may have given up too much, but that's what you have to do to win in 2019, not focus on 2023. All right. Let's jump in with both feet then. You brought up money. Let's stick with money. The money, look, I have two reactions to this trade. One is an emotional response, and the other is a more pragmatic response. My very initial reaction was uh, one of disgust. I don't want anything to do with this transaction, but... You know, as I let it marinate, uh, I'm more agreeable to it now uh, than I was perhaps a week ago when these rumors started circulating. And, and we'll get into all the reasons why. Money-wise, 
the money that was already spent, and that's the way I refer to it, that's the way I view it. You know, the money due Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak, that was the money spent. So you take that, you take the $20 million we have coming from the Mariners, and when you average it out over the next five years, which is what Cano is still signed for, the Mets are only paying him, on average again, $12.7 million a season. They're on the hook for, I don't know, $63.5 million, something to that effect. I have my notes somewhere else. But that's the real hit. You know, so all these figures, while they may look scary, uh, they have a, 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 a big bark, but not that much of a big bite. Sam, money. Yeah, that's what it seemed. I mean, somewhere that I read, you know, they were they their payroll was about 135 million going into the the off season, going into next year, projected payroll, and that their projected payroll actually dropped down by 10 million. Can anybody confirm this? Uh, I can't confirm it because I didn't look. I didn't look for that, but uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, at the same time, I would also like to remind everyone that back in 2015, uh, all, all the leftovers of the Madoff implosion, there was roughly $700 million left in debt that they refinanced in 2015. Uh, they've completed three years of that payment program to date, which means they still have two years left. So that in and of itself is a little bit prohibitive. So when I explain that we're only really, in essence, paying Cano $12.7 million a season, are you a little bit more agreeable to this, Mike? Yeah, definitely. We're getting a uh, hitter who can hit for contact and power, which is exactly what the Mets needed. He hits 300. He may be coming off a PED suspension, but at the end of September, I believe he was hitting near 350. He may be 36 years old, but he's going to be well worth the money, in my opinion. Whew, Sam, you pick up with that. No, I mean, you know, I think it sounds like Jeff McNeil is going to have a place on this team. They got, like, in terms of, like, around the infield. They got rid of Wilmer Flores, uh, which is a whole other thing to talk about on this podcast. Um, you know, so they – you know, on paper, yeah, Robbie Cano, and even after the PED uh, on the other side of 35, I I still think that he's most like you know he's a Hall of Famer. He's he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and uh, yet again, yeah, the Mets are getting Hall of Fame caliber players at the time that they might end up not being Hall of Fame uh, caliber seasons for the Mets. Uh, but I just I I'm as of now I'm thinking that Robbie Cano is going to provide uh, proper depth and provide proper uh, uh, you know um, numbers that we are looking for, which just means that Jeff McNeil uh, and the way his bat plays playing around the infield is just going to be that much more beneficial to our team. So. You know, Diaz is really where it's at and, and the sleeper here because if he can produce some similar numbers that he produced last year as at the closer position, you know, you're talking 
you're talking really reliable stuff there. So uh, combined with Ham, Robert Gazelman, and Seth Lugo, it could be a really great back end of the bullpen. And I'm really I'm curious to see where BBW goes from here uh, after after his you know the uh, his he broke his cherry with a GM move. <laughs> you know, uh, PEDs. Let's revisit that because this is where I have a, a a problem. All right, he served his suspensions for performing enhancing drugs. He is 36 years old, so he'll turn 37 next October. Because of PEDs, we don't have a true gauge of uh, the natural decline of physical abilities. So here we are post-PEDs. We potentially face a rather precipitous fall in production and potentially his ability to stay on the field. Food for thought. What do you think about that, Mike? I don't think there'll be an issue with him. This is his first PDG suspension. Everyone makes mistakes. It was a mistake, obviously. But yet again, we're talking about the Mets where everyone gets injured, so it's hard to say. Uh, But I think he'll do fine. I think he'll play 130, 140-plus games. But, yeah, otherwise I think he'll be fine. Sam, PEDs weren't necessarily meant to turn, you know, athletes into Marvel comic superheroes. They were meant to keep you on the field, which is exactly what Robinson Cano has done. Uh, since signing with the Mariners, he's averaged, in the four seasons that he's played with them, He's averaged 156 games a season. And in 2016, he played at 161 games. Is that directly attributable to PEDs and and the ability they give you or lend you to stay on the field? Or are we just talking about an incredible athlete here who, who's managed to stay healthy through conditioning, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, this just came up last year. This wasn't something, it, had he been doing it, he most likely would have gotten caught a little earlier. Unless well, we it was just the a truth, test gone wrong. Truth, we don't know. We don't we necessarily don't know. know truth is, we don't know how long he's been doing it. The fact of the matter is that he got caught. Right, but I, I would have to say that he most likely would have gotten caught a little earlier than in last year, uh, but yeah, again, we have to, we, we can only plead ignorance to exactly what's going on behind the scenes. So, I, 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 I don't think they're going to drastically affect him. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I've always thought that he had such, he's got such a beautiful swing, and I've, I've given him crap for, for dogging it sometimes before, but at least from a defensive standpoint, I think that, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily dog it. He just, he's that smooth. He kind of just, he looks like he's, he's really, he's really getting, he's really just a very talented ball player. Um, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to see, obviously he's not going to have the same effect at second base anymore. Uh, and I, I heard some things that there might, they might move him around, but, 
you know, I, I don't know about that uh, at at age thirty six. So I'm 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 curious to see how this uh this plays out. Hopefully, it doesn't go the way uh, so many times goes with uh, with veterans of his ilk. Right. Well, he's not a player who's been hiding behind the designated hitter. Uh, he's been a field player, you know, a position player, and a, and a damn good one. And, you know, I'll flip the coin here and, and say that he's already the best hitter in the Mets lineup. Now, if we go back to last year, the Mets were a good team in April. They were a good team in July, August, and September. We all know, you know, they spit the bit in May and June. Robinson Cano in the lineup. Uh, and to, just to, you know, expand on that thought pre- before that, you know, that's lost through injury. They're number three, they're number four, and they're number five hitter. Bruce, Frazier, and Cespedes. So now we have Cano. Uh, and like I said, he, you know, he's already the best hitter in the Mets lineup. So is Edwin Diaz actually going to get a chance to have – Save opportunities as opposed to going into the late innings, uh, you know, trailing, Mike. Yeah, I think he will. Uh, the only thing I'm concerned with is uh, Todd Frazier. He does not belong in our lineup. It should be Jeff Who? McNeil at third base. Todd Frazier. Oh, okay. It should be Jeff McNeil at third base. If you put Jeff McNeil at third base, a contact hitter with good defensive abilities, as we saw last year. We will have contact, and we will have a power-hitting lineup, which is what the Mets need. And if they do that, we will have offense, and then Diaz will get all the save opportunities in the world, most likely, if our starting well, pitchers can stay let's healthy. Talk about, let's talk about the coinciding move of Wilmer Flores not uh, uh, being signed back up. I mean, <laughs> he never played a position well, and because you know because of that, he was never going to have any – consistent chances. Um, both Jeff McNeil and, and Todd Frazier are most likely in the positions that Wilmer Flores used to be, which is backing up third base and first base. Well, I'm, I'm primarily concerned with having a good bat protecting Cano in the lineup, and that's where Todd Frazier come in, comes in. Mike, I, I don't disagree really with bat? you. I, I, well, he's a better bat. He's a professional bat. You understand who at times can cause damage. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I'm I no big fan of his. Trust me, I'm not a big fan of his. There's just something to be said for protecting Cano in the lineup, and that's something that Frazier can do perhaps at this point in his career better than than, than uh. <laughs> the name escapes me. I can't believe this. It happens to me all the time. Uh, McNeil. Yeah, he's your guy. Tell us. What, what's his name? Jeff, Jeff, Jeff McNeil. Yeah, right. Jesus so Christ. Yeah, of course. I can hate when that happens to me. Anyway, I'm just saying there's a matter, you know, uh, of protecting uh, batters in the lineup. And unfortunately for you and I, Mike, you know, Frazier can do that better. And he's making more. So, you know, it's hard to bench somebody making that type of money. Uh, it's just not that year for it yet. 2019 is a win now a completely win-now situation. Let's talk about the Boston players. Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarzak, Justin Dunn, Jared Selenick or Kellenick, or whomever, whichever way, Gerson Batista. Uh, I have a 
particular liking for Justin Dunn. That hurt. Giving up, you know, both him and, and Kellenic, that hurt. I, I would have preferred one or the other, not both. But it is what it is. And I'll round this thought out by saying this. Historically, these major trades that the Mets have trans- transacted uh, involving Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, Mike Piazza, Frank Biola, Johan Santana, they all involved shipping a clutch of prospects to the other team. And I can safely say today there's no regrets. We, we don't regret giving up not one of those prospects. There's not really, none of them, there's, there's, none of them are really worth speaking of today. They've done nothing, which is to say that, you know, prospects, draft picks, it's, it's gambling. Sometimes you roll sevens, sometimes you roll craps. Uh, the only person that I can think back historically who really, you know, meant something to me and whom I truly missed was Hubie Brooks, who was involved in the Gary Carter trade. Otherwise, anybody whom we ever traded for those, you know, big names in those big transactions, I don't think anybody regrets, you know, parting with any of the prospects involved. All that being said, I'll throw it back to you, Mike, your impressions of the cost for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. It was a bit too much. If you included Dunn or Kellenic, uh and not both of them, I would have been fine with it. But I've not seen Kellenic in person, but on video, his swing is amazing. He's one of the best hitters. He was one of the best high school hitters, and the sound that it comes off the bat is amazing. A lot of the scouts are saying that he's the next Bryce Harper or Mike Trout type caliber player, and I have to agree with that. I think the Seattle Mariners got a great deal, and the Mets got fleeced. Uh, I'll add to that. You know, again, I'll point out, uh, you know, certain players in Mets history. There were many, many players who were labeled can't miss, who who wound up flaming out like a bottle rocket. Mike Vale back in the 70s. Everybody remembers F. Mart, Fernando Martinez, Lastings Millage, Alex Ochoa, involved with Generation K. All these were can't miss prospects. Matt and, Harvey. You know, and, and Matt Harvey. I don't like take it away, that. Sam. Same, same idea, you know. I've I thrown out the history out there, prospects, you know, be damned. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I kid, I kid. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Mike Trout, that's a once in a generation, uh, type player, uh, Bryce Harper. Um, that's another rumor, by the way. Uh, I think, you know, you have to, like I said, Seattle wasn't about to get fleeced either. You know, they've, they've got some shit to deal with as well. And we can't, we can't when you look at when you really look at what's going on with those numbers for for uh, Diaz last year, uh, and the fact that Robinson Cano is a Hall of Fame caliber player, and they're giving they're giving that salary relief. I mean, what do you expect? Like, I, I don't think there's, I don't think that I think it might be a steep price, but I I can't, you can't ever, like like you said, you missed Chuby Brooks, 
but you understood that Hubie Brooks needed to be given up, Mike. And that's that's basically what I see here. Well, the Mariners got uh, today with the uh, Mariners got pleased today with the Philadelphia trade. So why couldn't uh, BVM or whatever his initials are stand padded today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. BVW stand padded and say no. You're only going to have one prospect or leave it because no one else would take Cano most likely. Uh. You know what, Mike? I don't know what to say about that. I really don't. I mean, the guy, the guy had, the guy had, uh, the guy had what, fifty something saves last year. Yeah, but uh, Diaz he led the league. Diaz led the league with fifty-seven saves. Yeah. Five to seven, not bad with the one nine six ERA. Uh, and, and, and he's I mean, seventy three. With the neat 73 innings pitch, so he wasn't exactly abused by any stretch of the imagination. In his rookie year, he pitched 51 innings. His sophomore year, he pitched 66 innings. So, you know, Seattle... Yeah, but now he's on the Mets. Say again? I said, but now he's on the Mets. (laughs) Yeah, but now he's on the Mets. Well, at least Terry Collins is in here. You know, let's be thankful for that. Fernando Fernando Nieve has just is like you know, dialing him in the middle of the night. It's like stay away. But uh, let let's focus on Diaz for a second. I mean, look, he's better, younger, and cheaper than any free agent reliever on the market right now. Uh, this was a great acquisition. In and of itself, Edwin Diaz is a great acquisition. Uh, he routinely has averaged double-digit strikeouts per nine innings. Check this out. He struck out 124 batters in 73 innings pitched last season. That's pretty damn stellar. Uh, and, you know, you throw in 2.1 walks per nine innings pitched, that's not bad. That's not bad. A whip below one, you know, this. Obviously, Seattle had to throw him in. He was the hook. But when you're in Seattle's situation, uh, they're just gutting it. And I applaud them for it, uh, for the way they're going about it. I mean, they're sparing no one. Everyone must go. And that's the way you do it. You go in with both feet. But uh, Edwin Diaz, uh, last impressions about him, Sam. And he's only 24 no, years I, old. I think, and, and under control yeah, for no, several more years. Deal. I think he's the key to the deal. I mean, it was basically Cano. Basically, you were trading Cano for Jay Bruce and Anthony Schwarzak. And you were trading uh, Diaz, who is, like you said, is cost-controlled, young, coming off a historic-type season. Um, That's basically who you're giving up Kalanick, Dunn, and Bautista for. It's it's a pretty two-sided – it's a pretty, like, two – Separate two sides of the deal, uh, completely separate from each other, and that's really the way you have to break it down, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, I think it definitely it it certainly says like if if, if the Cano Bruce Schwarzak type element, if that was all that was going to happen, um, you know, uh, then you could. Not necessarily say that they want to win now. They were just trying to do some bad contracts for bad contracts. But 
you know, the fact that they got this closer that they expect to put in the back for 60-something saves, um, I think says that BBW thinks that they're a lot closer than the record indicates the last two seasons. So we talked about it at the end of last season that we we thought the Mets were playing better and that if it weren't such a terrible tune, they might have had something. So I think it's it's the right moves to make. I don't think they need to be taking the, the angle that Seattle is making, and, and I, I applaud them for it. So, But hopefully this isn't it. And, you know, I've been saying no Bryce Harper, no Manny Machado. I'll tell you what, though, if either of those players happen, uh, I, you'll definitely – uh, I'll, you know, be like, uh, you'll be piquing my interest. I'll, I'll certainly be listening, BBW. Uh, well, we want to change. We got it. And there may be more on the horizon. Noah Syndergaard. Rumors are running wild. Mike, what do you think? Oh, this one's a tough one. I know last year when he wasn't doing too well, I was saying uh, GSA him. But he had an excellent September. Uh, but I say trade him. Trade him for you Chris Bryant. Trade him for Chris Bryant or someone straight up or try to get a package deal. But don't be the one that's going to trade him for a catcher from San Diego who's nobody. When there's a catcher of Wilson Ramos on the market, don't get fleeced by another team for one of the best pitchers in the league when he's healthy. Sam, this is the latest scenario being painted out there in uh, in the public media. Uh, Noah Syndergaard gets traded, I guess, for a clutch of prospects. And then they go out and try to acquire from uh, Kluber, excuse me, from Cleveland. Uh, is that a good strategy or should they just stay put? I think they should get Kluber and keep Syndergaard. Figure that one out. I think, I think that, that um, Syndergaard is uh, a kind of a key, like you know, if you if you can have a real solid lineup that is put helping to put together uh, possibilities for W's, and and you have and you have Noah Syndergaard, Jacob Degrom, Zach Wheeler at the front, with and with a Matt finally coming into his own, and one more pitcher, you may be unstoppable. And and basically what we were hoping for from, you know, the what 2015 brought upon us, the era that it brought upon us. So um, I, 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 I think that you really have to consider keeping, keeping him around for, for, uh, for now. Mike? I mean, I... I disagree with that. Go ahead. Follow up. I disagree. He needs to be traded. Uh, look at our farm system now. You can trade Syndergaard for prospects and then go after Kluber. You can include Todd Frazier in that deal, Brandon Nimmo, and Jimenez, uh, and some cash, and the Indians will take that deal in a heartbeat probably. You also got to remember Mickey Calloway worked with uh, Kluber. So if Kluber comes back over here, he would most likely do great again because of his old pitching coach being the manager. Well, I think we're the you know, Mike, on this. Mike, is it is it just 
is it just the beard or like what what why do I keep thinking Mike Hampton when I when I see Corey Kluber in a Mets uniform? Uh, because you're probably right about that. You know, your spidey sense might be dead on. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know if it's like I haven't watched Corey Kluber and the type of pitcher he is. Um, I don't know the type of hitter he is. I know that Mike Hampton was quite the quite the hitter. I almost well, I I once watched Mike Hampton um, pinch hit and and come within inches of hitting a walk off home run in like the twelfth or fourteenth inning against the Marlins in two thousand. Uh, that that's a fun memory to have. It, it, well, it hit it hit like right on the left of the retired numbers at Shea. Riddle me this. How does Wilma Flores get non-tended but Travis Darno gets to stick around? Mike? Because you don't know if you're going to get a catcher or not. Wilma Flores wasn't good in my opinion. He had one good memory and all the Mets fans finally loved with him, which is what New Yorkers do. Uh, but Travis Darno obviously is terrible too, but you need to keep him until you get uh, Wilson Ramos or someone else. Not Maldonado, though. He's terrible. Uh, but if the Mets get Wilson Ramos or Grandel or someone on, along that line, then you can DFA Darno, and you don't have to pay him that money, and you're only going to owe him, like, 500 k Sam, the demise of Travis Darno have been greatly exaggerated, apparently. Uh, I mean, it's the injury thing. That's that's the biggest problem. It's, he can't stay on the field. Uh, I, I think he's a really solid backup when you when you really conceptualize the fact that he can't stay on the field, but when he is on the field, he puts the numbers up. I I think that if they can get a solid backup, if they can get a solid uh, starter, then he actually isn't the worst backup to, to when you know to think about. Who would you rather have, Kevin Pollock, Kevin Pollocky, or Travis Miller as a backup? Uh, Darno's better. I would definitely. I think Darno has a higher ceiling at this point than Kevin than Kevin Plavecki. Kevin Kevin um, has really disappointed me. Whereas, like the biggest issue with Travis Darno, Barnon is just staying on the field, and it's 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 so glaring. You know, uh, Kevin Plavecki has had plenty of opportunities at this point. He's been on the field. <laughs> He's Travis Erno hasn't, and Kevin Ploiecki had plenty of time to become a star caliber Major League Baseball player, and he did not. So, you know, Travis Erno, I think they're just they're they're really they feel bad. We all feel bad for him, and I think the Mets do too. You know, Wilmer's Wilmer's got arthritic knees, and he doesn't have a position to play. As much as There's as no. much as much as we uh, glorify what he meant to us and what we meant to him, um, you can't you can't shake your head at the decision, especially when considering what the infield currently looks like. And everybody talking to Pete Alonso still too. Woo-hoo. You know what? On that note, I want you guys to have a little fun with this one. Brody Van Wagenen has one move to make over the rest of the winter. 
just one move, what would you have him do, Mike? Sign AJ Pollock or Bryce Harper. Sam, that's, that's... I you know it, it was kind of hard to hear him, so I'm gonna have to hear what Mike said again. Repeat. I said sign AJ Pollock or Bryce Harper. Pollock or Harper. Hmm. And so what? What is my one move? Yeah. He only has one well, more move to make. you got rid of Bruce. You got you got rid of Bruce now, and Joanna Cespedes isn't guaranteed to come back until at least July. That Bryce Harper move is sounding really interesting. I I'm like. I, I, there is a part of me that does like the idea of being like, all right, Nationals, we'll see you a Murphy and raise you a Harper. I, I just, I like something that I like the, you know, how conniving it is as part of the rivalry. Uh, so I got to, I got to kind of second the Harper part. I don't know where he fits on the team, but I guess Bryce Harper can fit anywhere, can he? You can trade I guess so. All right, let me see. Next on the list, uh, we have a new bench coach. Uh, Jim Riggleman brings some National League sensibilities to the dugout to help out Mickey Calloway. Mike, impressions? I'm happy they got a National League experience. Because last year, Calloway just looked overmatched without any uh, experience helping him out. So this should help out with decision-making. And God forbid he gets uh, ejected from a game. We have a National League manager, basically, so we should be good to go in that part. Sam? Yeah, I think it's great. I, you know, I don't want him to be the safety net, uh, you know, for... I, I don't want them to be putting too much stock in the possibility Jim Riddleman takes this team over. I, I think that we need to stick the course with Mickey Calloway uh, and him being a young manager, and you know, we, we're always talking about a manager growing with the team. And um, so, you know, we can't have our cake and eat it too, as they say. So I, that's, I, I, I just – I hope he's strictly there to bring some experience as opposed to be the don't fuck up, Mickey, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I am uh, perfectly content to just let this play out whichever way it does. Uh, but I'm happy to have Riggleman in the dugout next to Callaway. Uh, like I said, bringing some National League sensibilities to the thought process. Uh, now, obviously, Van Wagenen said that he intends to win now and in the future. We've, we've addressed now with the trade, this, that, and the other. Let's address the future because I think this goes somewhat underspoken. Uh, we have Omar Minaya back, and he's perfectly content to fulfill the role that he's come back to do, which is, you know, delve into scouting and, you know, uh, concerning himself with, with, with the draft and things of that nature. But above that, Elaine Baird was hired from the Red Sox as assistant GM to Van Wagenen, and he's been made vice president of player personnel and development. Uh I think this is huge, huge. He was with the Red Sox from 2006 through last season. 
therefore, he, you know, he's collected three rings with the Red Sox. Uh, and just look at the players that have come through that system. So I think this is a huge, huge signing uh, on Van Wagenen's part. Him teamed up with Manaya. I think the future is bright just based on their two, uh, you know, records, respective records in player development. So, Sam, I'll go back to you. What do you think of this situation? I didn't realize how deep he was within the Red Sox organization, or at least uh, from the year perspective, how many years he had been with them. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. And it's something that, you know, people were were railing against the Wilpons for not even considering Charrington, or, or I'm sorry, for Charrington not considering the Wilpons. But I I think that, it's good that they're starting to get a different angle on things when it comes to what the modern day ball team looks like. So yeah, you know, I'm all for it here, here, keep, keep the ball rolling in terms of uh, being creative like that. Assistant general manager, VP of player personnel, Mike, what do you think? Oh, oh yeah, and and before you pass on to Mike, I've actually been thinking about how all these different labels that you were talking about, Mike, are starting to kind of come to fruition. Let's see what happens. That all remains to be seen. Mike, what do you think? I like the move as well. It gives our uh, it's more analytics based now, so it could help our player development down in the minors and also sign free agents. Not this money ball crap anymore. That's Sandy, all the thing they're trying to do. Revisit Robinson Cano. Sam, the last Met player to wear number 24 was whom? Ricky Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> but the big, you know, the big name is Willie Mays. Do the, do, do the Mets allow Robinson Cano to wear number twenty-four? Do you, Do you want them? Oh no! To issue twenty-four. It's, it's they have. It's ha- It's happening. How many times? Because I'm really not up on that. You know, I, I know they tried keeping them in the closet, but how often? No, no. I mean, I mean, it's official that Robinson Cano is taking it. Oh, it is right. So, how do you feel about it that? Is. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a big deal that we're you know people don't recognize how big of a deal it is. Um, I think it's it's a representation about Robinson Cano and his place in in baseball history. I think that that's the only reason he's getting number twenty four is because the Mets see uh, potential for a Hall of Fame career to be capped by the Mets, kind of like it was with Willie Mays. So. Uh, you know, he's not coming home after having been a Giant. He's coming home after having been a Yankee, so it's not exactly the same thing like that, but uh, I think it's the only reason he's he, they're allowing it is because they the reason they allowed Ricky to have it was probably because he was a Hall of Fame caliber player, and now so is Cano. So, you know, hopefully he plays up to the level that he has set for himself. Yeah, sometimes I forget Ricky Henderson wore that number. Uh, Mike, once upon a time, you know, there there was a, a very stately woman 
named Joan Whitney Payson, and she was a minority owner of the New York Giants, and uh, Willie Mays is their center fielder, and they moved to San Francisco, and Joan Payson, you know, uh, effectively, and Willie Mays was brought back to New York as a gift to her, and the Mets have kept number 24 in the closet for all these years. You know, is there any tradition that says the Mets should hold on to this? And you know, how, what's your what's your position on this? If they really wanted to hold on to it, they would have retired the number. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, it's a uniform number. If that's what took to get Cano to waive his uh, no trade clause, then that have it be. But if they really cared about the number so much, they would have retired that number. Yeah, well. <laughs> there's, there's a, yeah, but they're, uh, they're stupid will... with retiring numbers, though. <laughs> there's a lot the will punch leave to be desired. Oh, goodness. Uh, what else, Sam? You got, you got anything else on your mind? Uh, no. I mean, if, if we're headed to last words, I think that, that um, you know, it's now, like, what's next? That's, that's my phrase of the night. <laughs> what's next? All right. You, got, next? you got me cooking. Because I mean, you know, there, the 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 rumors started with this trade, uh, and the first place I heard something about it was the uh, MLB Network with uh, Dan O'Dowd, the former GM, and um, there's other rumors about you know BBW's got Bryce Harper on his mind, so I, I don't I don't think that I think that that the uh, surprising you know, will stay unsurprising. Just be prepared for anything, everybody. And once again, you know, I'll go through the list again uh, of major acquisitions that involved a lot of prospects. Frank Viola, Johan Santana, Mike Piazza, Gary Carter, and Keith Hernandez that only involved two players, really. But the other ones were much more uh, bigger transactions. Uh, again, no regrets about any of those players that went the other way. Uh, I have a personal, you know, love for Hubie Brooks, but that's he was already a major leaguer, not a prospect. Uh, no regrets, regrets, none whatsoever. So I, I hope this is the case again. I just happen. Had a, a thing for Justin Dunn. I thought he was going to be a, a good one. So uh, let's get into our final word. Last impressions. If there's anything on your mind, Mike, air it out now. BVW should go out and try to sign Bryce Harper if the Will Pond will allow him, and then sign two other relief pitchers, such as Adovino and maybe Zach Miller, Zach, correction, Zach Britton or Andrew Miller. And if that happens, we will be a World Series contenders. What do you say to that, Sam? I think that's uh, the right the right moves to make. You know, uh, make one more big splash, sign um, a setup man, and you could be good to go to keep the momentum alive before it. You know, the 2015-2016 momentum is completely uh, uh, dissipated. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You know, we're concerned the two biggest free agents on the market, Harper and Machado, uh, they would pay for themselves. You know, the upper deck would be filled. 
if they sign one of those guys, which would effectively pay their salary. Uh, and again, in two more years, they're going to have financial relief. Final, finally, they're going to have relief from that whole Madoff implosion. So perhaps a little bit of, of investment now gets them in on the ground floor. And when they do actually, you know, realize that relief, they'll be, you know, much, much better off for it. I don't know. But we'll see. Is there a final word or was that a final word? And if it wasn't, let's create a final word. Sam, your final word. You with me, brother? Sam? Mike, did we lose Sam? I don't know. I don't hear him. Let me look at my dashboard real quick. In the meantime, uh, what say you? Your final words. The Mets need to do whatever is necessary to win. The fans have had enough suffering and enough of this uh, win for one or two years and then go back to sucking for five to ten years. Is that the same as saying go all out? Yes, go all out. Do what you got to do. But with the low times being owners, I have my doubts. <laughs> we all do. But let's see what happens. Maybe... Maybe uh, Van Vonnegut, he can uh, change their, you know, methodology a little bit. Sam, you back with us? Yeah, what's funny is that I uh, I got disconnected, so that was some crazy reason was my word of the night. But now uh, I will go with connected. BBW is making connections, and I am connected back to this podcast now. Back to you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> my final word is wow. We want to change. We got it. Uh, wow. You know, it, change Change sometimes is weird. And I, 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 want, I once heard that sometimes the most unpopular decisions turn out being the best decisions. So there's always hope for that. Uh, that said, you know, how do we usually end these podcasts, Sam? Let's go, Matt. Let's go, Mets. Michael, thank you for hanging out. Mike, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Like I said, happy belated birthday. Uh, Don't get yourself into trouble. (laughs) Sam, keep up the good work out there. And to everybody out in Metsville, we'll talk again next week. Let's go, Mets. Good night, everyone. Right back at you, Mike. Right back at you. Later, guys. Later.